Well, hey, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Frontline Community Church's weekly podcast. We're a church based in Ramstein, Germany, and we have a simple mission, and that's to love God, to love others, and to help others love God. Now, we do this by being real, relational, and relevant. Now, as you listen to our podcast today, we hope that you're blessed and that your journey with Jesus Christ becomes stronger than ever. God bless you. Good to see you guys. If you're new with us, uh, my name is John Roos. I'm the lead pastor here, and I just want to welcome you all. I want to welcome everybody on YouTube and Facebook. What's up, guys? Frontline online, and I'm calling it right now. You will be back by Easter. Things are going in the right direction. I'm not a prophet, so I could be completely wrong. (laughs) But I just hope that Easter Sunday, guys, we don't know what to do. Uh, We will have a huge service, or 10, and barrels in the parking lot to burn our masks. Amen. I'm fully committed to that plan, um, but it is good to see you. I have a second wind or like an eighth wind. It's been like 10 years in COVID, but I'm so happy to see you. Um, you know, I was talking to, before we go to John 8, I've got a very precious message before we take communion together. It's been dear to my heart and someone's going to be set free today from years of bondage, years of bondage. And so, yeah, I haven't even started preaching. I'm already choked up with joy. This is going to be a wonderful day. But I want to tell you that it's supposed to snow this week. And if you're going to be stuck in your house, it might as well snow. Amen? Amen. Now, um, for you who are from the South, it's going to be okay. Um, I know a, a little bit of dusting shuts everybody's world down. But those of you who are in the Midwest, maybe I'm talking more to you. I don't know. I was talking to the pastors a couple weeks ago, and I said, you know, we just, we just got to keep our church active. We got to keep our church just doing different things right now, and anything fresh that we can do to keep you guys uh, healthy and focused outside of coming in and worshiping God through the week we want to do. And so God gave me an idea, or maybe my wife, I don't know, um, but we're going to go ahead and have a contest this week if it snows. Are you ready? Now, you can even do this if you're in another part of the country. I am declaring this day a snowman contest. (laughs) Now, it can be a snowwoman contest. All right, so, Dondria, I got you. I got you. And now, I'm very serious about this contest. Um, If it snows tomorrow, and it's supposed to, uh, or Tuesday, if you're not following us on Facebook, this is my hook, you need to follow us on Facebook because we need you to send in pictures of your snowman or woman or animal. Uh, And the pastors, we have a criteria that we're going to use. If it makes fun of a famous person, you're going to get a lot of points, okay? Uh, Realism. We've got, we've got categories for this thing. Now, I was, I'm dead serious about this, so you need to make a snowman. If you do it in our parking lot, you get more points. <laughs> I want you to send your pictures in. And I was thinking about uh, how to entice you more to have some fun in the midst of this as a church community. And so I wanted a prize. Um, so we're going to give away Will, Pastor Will's car. He's <laughs> going like this. I just put my two-week notice in. But actually, I walked in, and on the back table from, well, from Christmas Eve, our services, there was a gift card. And so I feel like the Lord is in this idea. 
Now, I'm not going to tell you how much is on this gift card. You need to win. The game is on. Facebook, snowman, snowwoman. Let's go get it. Now, of course, if nobody wins, because we are the judges, we keep this. John chapter 8, let's go there. Did it just start raining? It doesn't matter. Would you focus, please? John chapter 8, I'm so happy today. I'm so happy because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we're starting a new series uh, today, calling, call, and I'm calling it Finding the Way. And so I want you to write that down, Finding the Way. Uh, put that in the comment section on Facebook. And I'll tell you where this series is coming from in a minute. But I want to preach to you in part one of this series, The Way of the Second Chance. The Way of the Second Chance. And I think you know where I'm going already, especially if you're familiar with John chapter 8. Brother, would you do me a favor? Could you throw me that water right there? Um, the way of the second chance. I got hands. You could throw that. I used to play baseball. The way of the second chance. And this is ministered to my heart. And I want to tell you what's, why God has put this series on my heart. I want you to key up on the term the way. And I know many of you have seen Mandalorian, so just focus on the Bible. This is the way. But I want you to think about those words, the way. And especially if you're a young adult, I want you to key up on those words, the way. The world as we know it, the world that we all live in and we try to navigate through is full of human beings trying to find a way. There are many different ways, ways to live life. And I think the, the longer we are around as human beings, the more ways we are coming up with. And if you think about it, there are political ways that radically transform the way people live. There are familial ways, ways in which we do family. There are the ways of singleness. There's the way of race. What do you do if you're a certain race? There are ways of gender now, and there are new ways of gender now. There are ways of dealing with addiction. There is the way of purpose. Why, why are we here, guys? Why are we here? And what do we do with our life? And we get all these messages saying, this is the way that you should go. And I think most importantly, guys, and I mean this, is the way of God. Many of you have grown up in church, and I know many of you are now struggling with the concept of God, and I'm glad you're here. And the, the reason may be that you're struggling with the concept of God is the way in which he was portrayed. Maybe he was portrayed in a way that just doesn't sit right with you, and it didn't answer certain questions about life or, or whatever that may be. And I would even say the concept of God in how we live out a life with God has many different ways all you got to do is Google churches in the KMC. There's all kinds of different types of churches. There's the Republican Christian. There's the Democrat Christian. There's the Christian from the South. There's the Christian from the West Coast, whatever that is. I'm from the West Coast. There's the East Coast Christian, and on and on we could go, but I want you to picture life as, and the Bible actually portrays this, and again, especially if you're a young person, in the book of Proverbs, the Bible, it actually unpacks life this way. There's many paths, there's many ways that you can choose to do this thing, but what I need you to know as we kickstart this series is anytime you choose a path, and we all are on a path, it is leading somewhere. It's got a destination. 
And if you're with me, you've taken wrong paths, and about halfway through, you feel the pain of the wrong path, amen? And you take the switch back, back. And so I, I want to start this series by, by getting us to understand that every way that we follow takes us further down the path of life to a destination. And Proverbs 14, 12 is probably a familiar verse that has been injected in a fearful way in your life at some point in church. But I want you to hear the word of the Lord. There is a way that seems right to a man. Now, women, you don't get out of that verse. There is a way that seems right to us people, but its end is the way to death. And what that verse means is we need to be very careful at the way in which we choose to live our lives. And nobody is too young for this sermon in this room or listening online. All of us, guys, life is a serious business. And especially in your formative years as young adults and so forth, it's so important that you get real about the life paths and the way in which you're going to choose to live out all of these intricate details like sexuality and identity and purpose and career and ultimately the reality of God. Can I get an amen? amen. Which way are we living? Yeah. It's a long journey to find that out. It's a long journey to find that out. And so I was studying the Bible, and I love the Lord Jesus. I love Jesus Christ. Because many years ago, a young man started a revolution. I cannot call it anything less than that. This, this young man shows up on the scene. Oh, man, this is so amazing. And he actually says these words. I am the way. I am the way. All of these different ways, all of these different paths, all of these different religions, all of these different sexuality, identity, political things going on in the world. And it hasn't changed much. They were going on in the first century. And this young man dressed a little bit like a homeless man with very little education, very unknown, grew up in probably some form of poverty. He just erupts on the scene and he begins to declare the audacity of this man to begin to declare, I have the way. And this would have been staggering. I, I think everyone would have looked at this young man and been like this, who's this guy? And they actually do, they go like this, isn't this the son of Joseph? Didn't, we, what, didn't I like teach him in the sixth grade? Who is this kid? He's too young to know anything. And then he started speaking, you guys. And when he spoke, things would happen and, and people would get answers like never before and, and millennials would sit there and they'd just be like this, like, oh my soul, I'm a post 9-11 person and, and that's the way I'm supposed to live. It makes so much sense now. People from honor cultures who have felt so oppressed by these cultural rules, he would speak, this revolutionary man would speak and they would just, they'd be like, that's it, I feel alive right now. Teenagers under the pressure and the weight of being their own person and all of these other ways that the world teaches. And this revolutionary guy stood up and would teach and they felt so alive in their soul. John 14, verse 6, very well-known verse. Isn't Jesus amazing? Jesus said to them, I am the way. And he doesn't just stop there. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. 
which is to say the ways in which you've been taught to follow, they are not true. If you learn my ways, I will lead you to life. And guys, look at me. Look up here. Raise your hand if, you're, if you grew up in church. We can see you on your couch. Raise your hand if you grew up in church. And maybe it was an exotic experience. I don't know. But at Frontline, I hear the opposite way too much. That the very reason I went into the military is because of X, Y, and Z. And part of that was church. And, but I'm back. And Frontline feels different. And what I need you to do is give Christ a second chance. I need you to move along this series, and I want you to do something. I, I talk to atheists all the time. Uh, people hear that I was an atheist till I was 20 years old, and, and so they come and see me, and they say, what happened to you? What happened to you? I, want, I think I want that to happen to me, but here's where they struggle. They go like this. I had this bad experience with church, and so I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't trust stepping back into God. And somehow, what we got to do is for a minute, we just got to set church aside, and we just got to rediscover who Jesus is. If you go like this, I'm going to find my way back to Christ through looking through the lens of a church that may have hurt me. You're not going to get there. We got to somehow just go like this. Like, I got to set this, and this is a pastor of a local church telling you this. We got to set aside church just for a moment, and we got to go like this. Jesus, who are you, and what does it look like to live for you? That's where we got to get in this series. By the way, that's the 15-year vision of this church. I love the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. <laughs> Jesus, the Son of God, stands up around all these teachers that have told the population that this is the way that you need to live. And he stands up on that craggy, rocky hill. And he goes like this, a direct challenge. You have heard that it was said. I say to you, I want you to erase all that you hurt, and I want you to allow me to reteach you the way. And the Bible says the crowds were astonished at his teaching. In three years, the way, the ways that Jesus taught us to live were so powerful, it took him three years. It was so captivating that people literally divorced the ways of the world and gave up everything to follow Jesus Christ. That's what I want. Jesus is mysterious. He's cryptic. But it's not because of what we don't know about Jesus. It's because of what we do know about Jesus. His teaching about marriage is just like, ah, like I was told the way to be married went this way, and you just told us something entirely different. Jesus is mysterious because we've been taught the way of dealing with addiction, and Jesus just, he paints this new way that's just like, yeah, but nobody speaks like that. That's so risky and wild, but it makes so much sense, and it's so attractive, Sometimes the way, the way of dealing with people who have hurt you, sometimes the world will say, this is the way that you do it. Some of our favorite movies are revenge movies. And Jesus goes like this, here's the way in which I want you to deal with those who've hurt you. And it's scary and it's crazy, but it, it, it makes so much more sense than that way. And, and so his, his teachings are mysterious because they're so foreign to us, but we can feel the life-giving power of them. 
And so I want to go back to the title, Followers of the Way, because there's so many layers and lenses to the term Christian. And I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. But you know, as I know, if you grew up in church, that the first believers, it's used, I think, seven times or five times in the book of Acts, they were never called Christians. They were called followers of the way. And so someone would ask you, where are you going this morning? Oh, I'm, I go to this little warehouse with these people. What do you do? Oh, we're followers of the way. I mean, I love that because it's clean. If you go like this, oh, I'm going to church. What kind of church? A Christian church. I know, but what kind of Christian church? Well, I'm Baptist, or I'm Methodist, or I'm Pentecostal, Catholic, Baptist, Methodist. So here's what I want to do. I just want to take us back to the title, Followers of the Way. And I just want to look at the Gospels. And I just want to pick out a teaching in a way every single week. And I want Jesus to blow our minds. And the reason I want to go back to the way, let me just sit on this in the way of an introduction is because, and I said this with love, you can redefine or define the term Christian. And over and over you can redefine it. As a matter of fact, and this is not my political angle at all, you know I don't, you know I don't even tell you what my political angle is, um, but I want you to understand that in the last six years, we have redefined Christianity based on politics over and over. And it's not just politics. It can be race. It can be your age group. What we keep doing is taking that term Christian and adding to it. So I talk to people. They say, well, I don't do that. And I don't believe that. Because that's not the type of Christian I am. And I kind of sit there like this. And they can see it. I, don't, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I, I, I go like this. <laughs> and they're like, is everything all right? I'm like, yeah, Why? But here's what you need to understand. You cannot do that with the way. You cannot add to the way. Because when he says forgive, that's just the way. When he says do this with your money, that's just the way. When he says live in radical faith when nothing makes sense, you can't add to it. That's just the way. And so I want to go back to the way, the way of Jesus, just clean Christ. In a world right now that's so muddled and confused. And so the first way in which I want to re-bring back to our minds and hearts has to do with failure. It has to do with failing. Today's story is about failure. And I want you to think of the way, the way we view and treat the fallen. Just think about that for a minute. How are we taught to deal with those who fall? How are we taught to deal with those who fail, those who sin, those who mar their lives? Um, there are about a dozen new ways in which we've been taught to deal with those who are struggling with life or who have failed us, especially in this tense COVID cancel culture. But I want to go back to this thing because my heart has been warmed this week, getting back to the way that we're supposed to treat people. I want a church that knows the way of Jesus when it comes to not only people, but people who fail. Amen? I want homes that are filled with followers of the way who practice the way of Jesus when it comes to those who fail in our homes. And I want to start here because this is the essence of the gospel, forgiveness. 
Christ died and the way of Jesus was to forgive, restore, and resurrect. And so we got to start here, guys. And I've had it on my heart. I don't know where this is coming from, but the Holy Spirit. I know there are going to be a lot of people who are entering this church this weekend. And a lot of people watch our sermons through the week. And so maybe it's even someone on Tuesday or Wednesday. But I felt very compelled by the Holy Spirit to start on this topic. Because I believe it is time for some of you to finally be set free. And this may be the most staggering way of Jesus. To take somebody who has absolutely failed and may even have impacted you in a very tough way. And to learn that his way is so radically different. So I'm going to warn you. I'm going to warn you. You will see yourself in this story. But if you open your heart to the Holy Spirit, he will set you free. So go to John 8. And let's delight in the Lord's. John 8, one thought, one point, take a picture of it, one way, and you could just write this down, the way of grace and forgiveness, the way of grace and forgiveness. Go ahead and put it in your phone like that girl right there. The way, let, just, just sit on that for a minute, the way of grace and forgiveness. In a world gone mad. In a dog-eat-dog -dog world, and I want to even say, I think many of us have made mistakes during COVID. I think many of us have made mistakes during COVID that we're ashamed of. And I think many of us have condemned people during COVID because of the tension. And I, I just don't know of a more fitting sermon just to erase it all before we go to the table of God's grace and start fresh today. But let me go to John 8. And I want to paint this picture. Now, you need to know that some of your Bible versions may not even have this story in it. And you may be going, what happened to the first 11 verses of John 8? Well, this is such a controversial story. You see, I warned you. This is such a controversial story that the early church was concerned about putting this in the Bible. And some of your versions have little brackets around saying, this was put in about the 4th century. This is such a radical way of dealing with people that the church staggered at calling this inspired scripture. So let me show you why. John chapter 8, there's a courtroom scene going on. It's about 8.30 or 9 o'clock in the morning. It's the early service. It's the first service. And I want you to visualize the temple in Jerusalem, old Jerusalem, the old city. Many of you have been there. And I want you to go in that early morning as the sun is now rising into the sky. I want you to walk through those gates of Jerusalem. And every morning you make your way up those ramps and you hear the bustling of workers as they lay stone around the temple. And you hear some music, and it's still, pretty, it's still pretty early, and so you're a little drowsy. But every morning you go and meet Jesus Christ there. Because he has ways, and when he teaches those ways, your heart comes alive. And so just like every morning, you go and you meet the rabbi, you meet the son of God. And he sits down, he takes the posture of a rabbi, he sits on some steps, right at the, out, the outer court of the temple. And there's about a... Um, 103 of you gathered around him, and he begins to teach. Pick it up in verse 2. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple, 
All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees, that's a problem. It's all going good. Jesus is sitting. He's teaching. He's saying, I know you've been told this, but here, here's healing to you. Here's, here's a healing word towards that person. Here's, here's a healing word towards yourself. And we're just sitting around him, you guys. And we're just like basking in his teaching. And all of a sudden, maybe, maybe from this side of the, the courtyard in the temple, all of a sudden these big dogs come out. They're wearing these tasseled robes. We recognize them. They're the authority of the day. And they just mob into this beautiful scene that's so full of peace. It's, it's a surreal scene. And, and they just bust in and we feel this coldness, this spirit this atmospheric shift as the scribes and the Pharisees come in. Because what we hear is the sobbing of a woman. A real woman with a real story. Man, I thought about this woman all week. And I'm like, man, she was like a kid once. She had dreams. She got through high school. She had goals. She had pressure on her. And something went wrong. She made a decision. You know those decisions, guys? And you're just like, man, you look back and you go like, what was I doing? And like, I'm still dealing with this decision. And so she, she made a decision. And she was caught. She was caught. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. Like, I don't know a worse thing to happen to someone. And they placed her in the midst. <laughs> That's a tame way to put what happens. They grabbed this girl, and, and Jesus is just teaching. He's just teaching his people all, all these precious ways of God. And, and they grab this girl, and they come in, and they destroy the scene, and, and they, they throw her down. They just throw her down. And look at what they say. They said to him, verse 4, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Like they caught her that morning. She's engaged, not married. There would have been a very different penalty if she was married. She's engaged. And I don't know the details. It feels like a setup to me. It feels like a setup. But I'm concerned that the guy's not there. The guy's not there. And that hurts my heart because it's almost like these religious leaders, and this is why the way has got to be different than religion. The religious leaders tell the dude, get out of here, get out of here. And they take the girl. And the whole point of this story is they don't care about the girl. They don't care about what to do with the girl. They, they care about power. And they'll even mow this girl down. They'll even destroy this girl's future. Yeah, I know she made a bad move and people are going to suffer. But she's still a human being. And they're, they're willing to fling her away for power to trap Jesus. And guys, as, as Jesus followers, this is all around us. It's all around us. And that's not the way. The way of Jesus is so, so different. And so they throw her down. In verse 5, they say, Now in the law of Moses, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? Look at the ways. 
We know you're full of grace and resurrection and love and, and mercy and forgiveness. And, and that's your way, but our way is different. Our way is power. Our way is authority. Our way is self-exaltation. There's, there's a fork in the road now. They created two ways. Verse 6, they said this to test him. They don't care about her. They wanted the power. That they might have some charge to bring against him. He went against the law. He went against the law of Moses. See, he's not the son of God. So I want you to understand what's happening here. They, they don't really care about what she's done. They, they don't because the man would be there. And their way is anger, it's vengeance, it's power. And the point of this story is not to excuse a hurtful decision, guys. I'm not here to tell you, like, if someone has cheated on you, like, just, it's, come on. That's not the point of the story. The story is not about justice. And my friend, justice will come. This, this girl's going to have to live with this for the rest of her life. And justice will come. Because while someone has to die for her sin, it will be Jesus Christ. Justice will come, but that is not the point of the story. This story is all about the way to deal with the failed. And when I look at these men, they're monsters to me. Monsters who need grace as bad as the girl. Kill her? Kill her? At a minimum, their way is to reduce her to an act. You're now an adulterer. You no longer have a name. Your name is now the act. You're an adulterer. And I, I believe, and, and let, let the Lord begin the, the journey of setting you free. I believe that many of you have, have sins at levels that you've been given a new name. You've been given a new name. And it's an act. It's an act. I, I was that way before I came to Jesus. I, I was an alcoholic. I was angry. I was bitter. You see, what the world does in its, its callous ruthlessness is it takes a single act and it declares that you are now the act. And if you look at the end of verse 6, praise God for God. I love Jesus is so in control, man. This scene, he is just the director of this scene. Look at the last part of verse six. Jesus bent down. Like, what, Jesus, what are you gonna do right here? There's all these people around. These religious leaders just burst through the door. This woman at 8.30 in the morning was caught in bed with this guy and they throw her down and they go like this. Right now, we got two ways. Your way, which proves you a liar, or our way, she dies. I'm thinking, I better start thinking quick. And Jesus goes like this, the master of time. <laughs> and I think if, if I'm Peter, I'm like, what is he doing? This is so tense. And what I love about this story is Jesus wants it to be tense. He wants everybody in that scene to wrestle, which way will you follow? Will you side and cast this precious human being who has made a vicious mistake away for good? Or will you follow my way that is so hard 
but so radically life-giving. Jesus just created a fork in the road. He bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. I don't even think he wrote anything out. I think he's doodling. <laughs> you read all these commentaries he's done. They say, Jeremiah 17.3 is what he wrote. He's like, no, nah, ain't nothing there. He's doodling. It's not about what he wrote. He's stalling. He's stalling. What are you going to do? That's what he's doing. What are you going to do with her? Wrote on the ground. I just got to ask, if you were in that crowd, how would you interpret this? Will the one who had all the dirt drag her through the dirt? You think of this woman. I just, I think, I think of this woman. She's just, she's probably on all fours crying. <laughs> like, you know, she can't lift her head. She can't look at anybody. She's been caught in this act. And I, I've been thinking about this woman. If she's ever going to have a second chance, all of those voices between her and Jesus, all of those people between her and Jesus must be removed. And I think there are people here this morning or watching online, and you've been holding on to an act. You've been holding on to a sin that haunts you. Believe me, I've been there. I've been there. You've got so many voices and people who are still in your head, like the Pharisees telling you and telling you and telling you that you are that act. And I pray with all my heart. I've been praying for, you, for this service, these services all week. I pray that somehow this morning we could get these people and these voices out of the way and it would just be you and Christ so he could speak to you and tell you what to do with this failing. So he takes all the distractions away. And some of you need to get here today. Look at verse 7. Jesus is like, if I'm going to talk to this girl, if we're going to resurrect this life, if we're going to rebuild a home, if we're going to use this sin to change other lives, then these people have got to get out of here because she's got to hear one voice. And so if you look at verse 7, and as they continued asking him, you see the tension? What are you going to do? He stood up. <laughs> when the lion stands, when he stood up, I'd have been out of there. And he stood up. Man, could you just see? He's so steady. Can you just see him standing up? And like when the head swivels and meets their eyes, I'd have just been like, it is on. See, he's, he's got your back. He's for you. And he said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And what he's, what he's not saying is, she doesn't have to own this. He's saying this, this is not the way. You don't take a broken person and end them. He says in verse 8, and once more, <laughs> he bent down and wrote on the ground. If any of you are sinless, if you are so high and holy that you could take this life because of one act, then do it. <laughs> I mean, just wild. And man, again, if you're like Peter and James and these guys are just like, it's way too early in the morning for this. And I love verse 9, but when they heard it, 
They went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And I don't necessarily know what that means other than they had more life experience and maybe it hit the older ones a little bit more that, you know, you see, the older you get, the more life should become precious. And so I don't know if something hit them, conviction from the Holy Spirit or, or what it was, but something hits these boys. The young guys, you know, they don't care. They want to stay and argue with the lion, but the older ones start peeling out. And as the older ones peel out, the younger ones are like, huh. And they all leave. And I love this verse. Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. My prayer for us today is, if you have failed today, that today, it just be you and Jesus, and you just stand before him and let him speak to your failures. It's just the girl in Jesus. You see, guys, guilt, I've said this, I think I said this a couple of months ago, it's all a blur. Guilt is... I did something bad. Shame is, I am bad. Shame gives you a name. You cannot live that way. Christianity, the way of Jesus is not that way. And, and what I love about this story is Jesus gives her a new name. You are not the adulterer. And some of you need to start here. You need to allow Jesus to give you a new name. Saved, forgiven, loved, resurrection. And if you look at verse 10, he goes like this. Weeping woman in the dust, he goes like this. No one around but he and her, woman. That's a sweet term to a Jew. Young lady. Stand up. I'm giving you your dignity back. Young lady who is loved. He gives her a new name. And when you come to Jesus, he gives you a new name. Do not let this world give you a name. And so in verse 10, Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? As no one condemns you. And I think what he's saying is, as the one who truly mattered condemned you. This is why I'm here, to die on the cross so you can be forgiven. Stand up. Now let me speak to you as a pastor. All of that was a preacher. Let me speak to you as a friend. Yes, she has a life to repair. I cannot imagine walking back in her home but she'll never start if she doesn't start with Jesus' way of grace and forgiveness. She'll never have a chance to try to repent, to try to make it right, to live a full life with the many years that she has left if she doesn't let Jesus take care of this sin. And sometimes it's so hard to figure, forgive ourselves, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, seriously, how many of you guys reject the forgiveness of God? Even though you're saved, even though you've received Jesus as your Savior, like we still can reject the grace of God. 
I, I was, a friend of mine, uh, Francis Chan, was preaching in our church, and I've told you this before, he whipped out a whiteboard. It was the strangest thing I've ever seen. Like, who carries a whiteboard while they preach? And he whips out this whiteboard. It was like in the back of his pants. And he goes, some of you guys are like a really bad whiteboard. And he starts marking on it, you know, a cheap whiteboard. And then he erases it. And he goes, see, you can still see it. That's how we live. That's how we live. We still hold on to it. And I, I was thinking about even my own life. Have I, have I allowed the forgiveness of God to touch every area? And sometimes our way is to reject Christ. That's our way. And sometimes it's because of our pride. We want it to be someone different. And we've altered the story. But it's time to own our stories, guys. Because of the grace of God, he can transform a decision and a story into a new story that you never dreamed. And I want to I say this to you. There's someone in this room who needs this. If you think you've blown God's plan for your life, you are not that powerful. <laughs> like with grace and love, who do you think you are? <laughs> you are just not that powerful. You say, how do you know? Because I've blown this life over and over. <laughs> but he doesn't let it fall apart. When I come back to his grace and love, he just redirects it. And, and yes, sometimes it's a long ways back. And sometimes we never receive what we once had fully back. I get it. But with grace, there's always a future. You young person, this is the way of Christianity. And so the story ends. In verse 11, <laughs> she said... No one, Lord. Nobody's, nobody's here condemning me, Lord. I think she's confused. Just like, who is, the, who is the mystery man? And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go. From now on, sin no more. And, and lest we think she gets away with a heinous thing, it is the grace of God radically coming in contact with your soul that kills your appetite for sin. I do not condemn you. How can you say that, Lord? Go and sin no more. If I've got that love and forgiveness, I never need to find anything in sin ever Again, that is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so for some of you this morning, you feel like this woman. I've been there so many times. For others, you may feel like the religious leaders. But for all of us, let us become followers of the way. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Would you bow your heads? Can we prepare our hearts before we go to the table?
with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, friends. There are some of you in this room that it is time. It is time. Today is the day. When the grace and the forgiveness of Christ must touch your soul. We'll take communion together in just a moment. I I want you just to be in the presence of the Lord. And I want you right now in your mind's eye to go back to the cross. I want you to kneel at the foot of the cross. I want you to see him high and lifted up. And while it is a gruesome scene, I want you to hear the crowds shouting. And I want you to allow your eyes to make their way up and see Jesus there. His flesh hangs like great ribbons. His blood spills to the ground. But it is grace and it is for you. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? And if you do, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I pray that you would let go of pride, self-anger, regrets. And while I know it will always leave a scar, scars tell another story, a story of healing. Would you speak to Jesus in your mind, in your heart right now? Would you tell him that you've carried this too long? And you're handing him your guilt. This is the way of the Lord's. And for others, it's been a strange season in our world. And maybe you've caught yourself in this isolation and this frustration feeling like the condemner. Well, you too go to the cross and and as you kneel down and you see him high and lifted up for your sins and my sins, just allow him to soften your heart. Just soften your heart. This is the way of the Lord's. And I do believe there are some watching and some who sit in this room who don't know Jesus as their Savior. You've been told many ways to live. You've been, you've been told many ways about Jesus. And maybe for the first time, you have heard a new way today. 
And if you have felt like that woman, a bit of an outcast, maybe full of guilt, maybe thrown down, tired, wondering if God would ever want you. Well, Jesus has spoken today. I pray all of us would remove the crowd in our minds, would remove all the voices and just be with Jesus. If you don't know Jesus today, it's just you and him right now, just you and him. He came to the earth to live a perfect life so you wouldn't, you couldn't. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins so you could be forgiven and no new life with God. And he rose from the grave, victorious. And it's just you and him right now. He could wash away every sin right now, just like that rain falling on this building. He could wash it all away right now. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior this morning, where you sit, the best way you know how. Ask him to forgive you of your sins and to save you just like that. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Save me. Do it now. For the way of Jesus is mercy and grace. Would you stay in a posture of worship? And with great anticipation, my friend, I want you to prepare yourself for communion. I'd ask that everybody pull that little tab back. And I want you to hold the bread together. Nobody eat, just hold it. The Lord's Supper, communion. It's an ancient practice. It's been done for thousands of years. It's given to us for our joy. It's given to us to remind us of what Jesus has done to cover what we have failed to do. And so it is a time for those who know Jesus as their Savior. It's a celebration of His grace. It's a time to be strengthened. And so I want you to let God tell a new story about you as you hold the bread. As you hold the bread, it should bring us to the cross. To see Him there. And to be reminded that Jesus was broken for us while many he was broken for us so our sins would be forgiven and we would live in freedom for the Bible says for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Beloved, do this and remember what I did for you. Let's eat together. And now the cup. Would you hold it? It should bring us to the cross again. The blood of Jesus was shed for us, was poured out, the Bible says, for us to cover our sins. And Jesus has drank the whole cup of God's wrath. For now the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so the cup we now drink is the cup of celebration, the cup of unity, because of what Jesus has done for us. For the Bible says, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it. And remember that your sins are forgiven. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's drink. You know, friends, I just want you to believe. I want you to believe in the power of God's grace. And I love the the first communion. I think I say this every time we break bread as a a church. That in that upper room on the first first time they ever took the Lord's Supper, they were going to leave these doors, the doors of the upper room. And they were just going to get rocked again. They were going to fail again. They were going to be victors. But things would go wrong. They would sin. And it was like Jesus really wanted to bury his grace deep within them. And so he wouldn't let them go just yet. For that dark night needed a piercing ray of light of God's grace. And so Jesus begin to sing a song with them. And it's like that song went so deep into their souls that I'm just thinking that no matter what happened that week, that song would be an illumination. It would begin to rise up and remind them afresh over and over. Jesus has given me a new name. I am forgiven and free. I am walking out of this grave. And so I want to pray for us and then we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song in the presence of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray with all my heart that your grace would pierce hearts and that some dear precious saint in this room would once and for all leave the past behind. That it would just be them and you, Lord Jesus. And Father, as we sing this last song, 
May you put steel in our bones for the journey. And when life gets hard this week, may we never question your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. If this was your first time joining us online, please head over to the Contact Us portion of our website and say hi. We would love to meet you. If you would like someone from our church to pray for you, please shoot us an email at prayer at frontlinecommunity.org. If you feel led to contribute financially to this ministry, please visit frontlinecommunity.org forward slash give or email giving at frontlinecommunity.org. Please feel free to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on and rate our podcast. We hope that you were blessed today and we'll see you next week.